Welcome to Kid Men Talk, coming to you from Kidology.org. I'm your host, Carl Bastian, where our mission is to equip and encourage you in your ministry to children. This past week, just a few miles from my home, yet another troubled teenager entered his school armed with weapons and explosives, fired on fellow students before turning the gun on himself as the police closed in. While the rapid response of law enforcement minimized the potential harm to students, a young student now lies in a coma fighting for her life. While her parents and our nation pray for her recovery, there's another set of parents who have lost a son, and a nation asking once again, why? While the radio waves here in Colorado are filled with the predictable arguments over gun control laws, some have brought up the broken home that this young man came from and the fact that nearly all school shootings have been committed by children of divorce. While we certainly don't know the reasons for this most recent attack, we do know that divorce is an attack on a child's world. Today on Kidman Talk, I've invited Wayne Stocks from DivorceMinistryForKids.com to join me as we discuss what children's ministers can and should be doing to better meet the needs of these kids and to help them deal with the confusion, hurt, and anger that so many of them are struggling with. So let's talk Kidman and consider the kids of divorce today. Well, as you may have noticed, I'm taking a little break from the series I've been doing. Um, I got the privilege to speak at the Engage Children Conference last month, and we have been doing a little series. Uh, Last two podcasts were Engaging God, Engaging Leaders, and perhaps you're listening today expecting part three, Engage Children. And uh, have no fear, I am looking forward to continuing that series, and we'll be wrapping that up in the next podcast. But like most Americans, you have probably heard on the news about the, um, the tragic events that happened very close to my home here. I'm in Parker, Colorado, and Aurora is our neighboring town. Um, kids from my church attend that high school where we just had a, a shooting. And I don't want to take too much time on the podcast to talk about that. You've got your own sources for news. Perhaps you two have either been glued to the news or uh, maybe you've chosen to uh, turn it off and you don't want to hear details. And I want to respect that as well. But the reason I want to talk just briefly about what has happened here, you know, I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying uh, and and tweets and texts saying, hey, what is up with Colorado? You know, we had the uh, theater shooting, which was also very close to my home. And, of course, Columbine is uh, very well-known about 10 years ago, and I did not live here in Colorado at the time, but uh, certainly I'm very aware of that, and it was in the same town as as this shooting that we just experienced. I I was uh, out to lunch with a pastor when he uh, got several texts from his son and he was trying to ignore and finally I said you sure you won't you don't want to ignore that it might be important and it, it turned out it was and uh, he needed to to get over to that area and begin to minister to, to kids from from his church you know one of the things that has that has surfaced as everybody begins to you know of course talk about gun control and the politicians uh, unfortunately uh, politicize an event like this to to push for either more gun control or less gun control, and uh, and everybody has their opinions, um, uh, and and rightfully so because they're they're uh, they're hurting and and it's so tragic. We've got a young lady um, who our whole church prayed for Sunday morning who is fighting for her life right now in the hospital, and so uh, uh, emotions are high. And regardless of uh, of uh, politically what we think, 
uh, in ministry, especially in children's ministry, our heart breaks not only for those who are victims, but also for this young man who found himself at a place in life where he was capable of doing something that was very terrible. And yes, people call him uh, evil, and yet there are circumstances in life that, that lead someone uh, to a point of, of doing something like this. And one of the things that, is, that has come up in the news and has led to some speculation is the fact that, that this young man, and I'm not even going to mention his name because I, I don't like to do that, but is that he is from a divorced home. And, uh, and so there's been speculation about the, the impact of divorce and it may have on him. And I also do not want to uh, place too much um, uh, responsibility on that. And yet as a children's pastor, we know that broken homes have a devastating impact on kids. And I just want to emphasize again, I'm not saying that that was uh, the factor in, in what happened here in Aurora, Colorado, but certainly it played a factor in, um, in this young man's life. And certainly um, we have, there's reports of bullying and other things in his life, and there was other hurt and pain. And maybe we'll learn more about uh, what triggered this, and uh, maybe, maybe we never will truly know what went on in this young man's life. And our prayers go out to his parents uh, who have lost a son, and of course go out to everyone who's been impacted by this. And so I decided that uh, what I wanted to do on this podcast was invite uh, a good friend of mine to join me on the podcast, and he's been uh, sitting here patiently as I've kind of set this up a little bit, and his name is Wayne Stocks. Wayne, why don't you just say hello? Hi, everybody. And uh, when we know that his mic's working as we connect through the power of Skype. And Wayne is uh, he's a great guy. We first got connected uh, on uh, Twitter, and as, as we were swapping tweets back and forth about kids' ministry and getting to know each other, I thought, what is this? Uh, stock Sohio, and I was kind of a slow to notice that was just stocks, and then Ohio as he ministers out there in Ohio. And we finally got to meet last year in person at the uh, INCM uh, CM Leaders Conference. So we recently got to cross paths again. But one of the things that um, I really appreciate about Wayne, um, and if you're not familiar, is that he has a a ministry, and he's a champion for children. Of divorce, and when I first began to learn this about Wayne, and as he shared this with me, you know, I, I was a little curious. I thought, uh, well, I wonder, I wonder if Wayne um, is a child of divorce himself, and, and I didn't really want to ask him right away because I thought, well, you know, if that's a sensitive issue, I'll, I'll wait till he's ready to share with me, you know, his story, and or I thought, well, maybe he's a divorced fellow himself, and maybe he's seen what his uh, children uh, have gone through and uh, and how the church maybe did or, or didn't support uh, his family and his kids. But I was surprised to discover as we became better friends that, that Wayne came from a, a great home uh, with parents who were married and, uh, and by God's grace, he's married and uh, not divorced and praise God uh, for that. And so I thought, well, then where in the world did this come from? So as we dive into this today about how the church can help kids who are going through this in life. Because when we think about these tragedies and other ones like them, in hindsight, of course, we're all asking, what could we have done? Could the church, could somebody have seen what this young man was going through and, and done something more? So, Wayne, share with us a little bit. Introduce yourself, the church you go to, and you know a little bit about yourself and maybe your wife, your kids. And, and how did you... How did God lay this passion for ministry to children of divorce? And then, and then let's dive into it today. Yeah, I, I go to a non-denominational church here in, outside of Columbus, Ohio. Married, I've got four kids. We are uh, we're coming up on our fourteenth wedding anniversary here soon. Congratulations! Right, uh, 
I mean, just say you're not the only person who was surprised that I ended up in, you know, with this passion for ministering to these kids. You know, God works in mysterious ways. I tell people I'm the least likely person to be doing this. Uh, you're right. My parents were not divorced. Um, I'm not divorced. You know, I also tell people that sometimes God has to smack me upside the head a couple of times before I finally get his message. But, <laughs> you know, he, he first laid this issue of divorce on my heart a couple of years. Well, it's, I guess it's been about five years ago now. I kind of put it to the back burner. So it was sort of, it sat there, it simmered. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't know exactly what it was about, but he just sort of raised it there. And then I was watching a, um, a television show once. It was a talk show, and there was this, this this boy on there, and he was probably 16, 17, or 18. I don't even remember what the show was about, but he was clearly hurting. And um, at some point, he, you know, not as part of his main story, but they mentioned that his parents were divorced. And it was like the light bulb went off there. And, and I, I knew that because of my work in children's ministry, because I had um, – you know, I had been doing some writing and some blogging and some speaking and whatnot, so I had a bit of an audience. Um, I really felt God calling me to, to start beating the drum for these kids and, and trying to get the word out there because I, I feel in my heart of hearts that the, the church is uniquely positioned, um, uniquely qualified, and uniquely called of God to help these kids. You know, even as you, um, one of the documents, I'm going to put this uh, PDF that you gave me when we first met. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. You know, it just... It's, it's a document, folks, you've got to download this. I've never seen so much help in one PDF before. It's almost no white space, I and mean, it's just loaded with help. And it's a guide to dealing with, and it has a list of emotions for each page. And when I just started going through this and seeing, you know, dealing with feelings of anxiety, with feelings of chaos, with feelings of confusion, with feelings of denial, with feelings of depression, feelings of embarrassment, feelings of fear, of grief, of guilt of loneliness, of loss, of being powerless, of sadness, of shock, of stress, of being torn, of feelings of withdrawal. I was overwhelmed. And I thought, you know, and, and each one of those that I said, there's an entire page of uh, scriptures and, and writing and help, advice. And, I, and I, I just, I was overwhelmed. I thought, you know, I was, you know, thinking there's three or four emotions, but there, that, that's a ton of emotion that kids are going through when their world is is turned upside down when mom and dad break up yeah frankly it really is the tip of the iceberg and when you think about it what i tell people is that these kids are are first experiencing emotions that they've never experienced before and secondly the emotions that they have experienced before they've never experienced as deeply as they have when their family shatters they they don't they don't Uh, know yeah they don't know how to process these emotions Well, let me ask you, um, how big an issue is this? I mean, is is this just a, a small group of kids in my church that, that I need to kind of have an eye out for? Or is this a bigger thing that we are just kind of blind to because on Sunday they all, they all kind of just look like kids? But there's kind of a hidden epidemic here. Yeah, and, and lots of kids don't want to talk about the sad things that are going on in their families. So you really have to do some work to find out. But the answer to your question is um, there have been all kinds of studies. And what has happened over the last 10 or 15 years is the divorce rate has actually gone down. But the level of cohabitation has gone up. And those families break up more frequently than families where the parents are married. So there's a study that's done every year. It's been done for the last three or four years that measures what they call family belonging and rejection. And what they try to measure is the number of children who reach age 17 with both of their biological parents married since before or around the time of their birth. And what they find is that about 55% of kids reach age 17 without that. 
So only 45% of kids actually reach age 17 with their biological parents having always been married since they're, you know, right before, right around the time of their birth. They allow for parents to get married right after the child was born. So what that means is statistically more than half of the kids you're going to come across don't come from a traditional married biological parents family. Somebody came up to me at a conference, at that Engage conference, and said, so what you're telling me is that the normal is no longer normal. Amen. And I said, that, yeah, that's absolutely the point. Um, and what we come across in the church is basically two extreme people who want, who sort of want to bury their head in the sand. And just, it's not a problem in my church. And you'd be amazed in this day and age, uh, even when it's so common, people who will just deny that it's going on in their church. Uh, because, you know, th this must be the outside world, not in church. But statistics tell us that the divorce rate in the church as a whole is as high as it is outside of the church. Um, and then on the opposite extreme, you come across people who assume it's not a unique issue. There's nothing that I have to do unique about this because so many kids are experiencing it. So I can just teach all kids the same because, you know, if half the kids are going through this, then they must just be dealing with it fine because people are used to it now. Um, and neither of those are, are true. Well, they're not used uh, to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. you know, regardless of whether every single kid in your neighborhood's family has dissolved, um, when you go through it yourself, you experience those emotions yeah. uh, that you're not prepared or equipped to experience. And you, you, you're faced with questions that other kids don't have to answer or that they don't have to answer until much later in life. Like, why would God allow something like this to happen to my family? Uh, you deal with, I mean, imagine dealing with the issue of pain and suffering at the age of 8 or 10 or 12. Um, you know, rather than, yeah, you know, that's hard at 42 or 50. Well, anytime you go through something, it's different when you go through it. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. when I, when I lost my mom to cancer, you know, as a pastor, I had, I have journeyed with other people losing a, a parent, you know, and I, I had a degree of understanding and compassion and sympathy. And I knew to the best that I could what to say and what scripture said. Then your own mother dies. And it's, it's a whole new experience because it's now my mom that's dying. So the mm -hmm. fact that others around me had lost a mother is completely irrelevant. So, you know, it kind of kills that argument that, well, because lots of kids' parents are divorced, for that child, it, it makes no difference that other parents have left their kids. It's my mom and dad uh, breaking up. So they, they need help. Is there a difference between kids who... You know, everything was going fine. Mom and dad were in love. They they were a normal family. And then things started to deteriorate. And, of course, there's fighting and bickering and conflict in the home. Kids, of course, are always hoping for the best. And kids always believe the best. You know, the, the movies used to always depict the families getting together. Um, now they don't even bother in Hollywood. You know, Miss Doubtfire was the big turnaround that corner uh, where it didn't have the happy ending. Is there a difference between those kids and what they go through and the kids that are just... That's just their life. I mean, maybe they don't, they don't even remember the, the fighting or the bickering, or maybe they were born into a family that's not a, what we call a traditional, typical mother-dad family. It almost seems like there's two categories there. Yeah, and the answer to that question is a simple yes and no. Uh, <laughs> they're clear, I mean, they are different. You know, so if you take a child who's born to a single mother and, and never knew his father um, versus a child who spent... You know, 12 years with both their mother and father, and then they split. There are differences. You know, there, there's an event that a 12-year-old is is able to, in, in some fashion, understand that happens that really triggers something. So there's 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 that event in their life, but the effects and and the way things turn out and the emotions that they go through, 
um, over time tend to be similar. So that child who whose parents get divorced when he's 12 is going to grieve the loss of, of his family and may grieve it over and over and will grieve it over and over at different stages in life um, and as things happen that, that cause him to grieve that over and over. Whereas the child who, who never knew his father might not realize to a certain, you know, maybe a teenager in their mid-20s or something before they before they go through that grief process because it, it is their normal. But at some point they face the fact um they didn't have what other boys they had or whatever that. other girls had. And yeah, exactly. Start to, to reminisce uh, over that cavity in, in their life. But well, and Andrew, Andrew Root has written a great book. It's called The Child of Divorce. I can't remember the subtitle, but it has to do with the loss of being. And he talks about the ontological impact of divorce. Um, it's a bit of a heady book. It's the type of book you read each chapter three or four times before you start to think you understood it, and then you read it again and realize you didn't really understand what he was saying. But it's a really good book, and his premise is uh, that we want to talk about programs for children of divorce, and we want to talk about quality times with each parent. And what we miss is that when parents split up, um, whether that happens at the time of the child's birth or happens because of a divorce later on, that child starts to question their sense of being. Because if the, if the relationship that formed them has gone away, then they start to question why they even exist. Wow. And, and I think that is where the church plays a really important role because, you know, as followers of Christ and, and the Bible as our source of authority, we understand that we each have a purpose and that purpose is given to us by God. Um, and one of the things that the church is in a unique position to do is explain to that child that even though that union that created them has dissolved their purpose or their sense of being hasn't gone away we find our real purpose our real sense of being in christ that's awesome well when we reflect on you know the event that that drove me to want to talk about that this week you know we're wondering you know how how do we minister to this to these kids and there's obviously two categories there's the ones that we know them because they're they're in our church you're talking about you know somewhere around half of our kids what are the things that we can do i mean obviously there's there's a sensitivity there's there's an awareness there's there can be some one-on-one discipleship um, that, that can be done are there resources out there that that can be used what do i do i mean i've just found out i thought it was five percent and you're telling me half my kids are are going through these emotions that that i just read off a little few minutes ago yeah when it, when it comes to the kids who are coming to your church i talk in terms of um Three Ps, and I know you'll appreciate that because I know you like the alliteration. I do love alliteration, <laughs> and, and, and that was reinforced at the Engage conference. But now I talk in terms of programs, practices, and perceptions. And so I tell people start with the programs. There are programs out there for most age levels where people have developed, you know, a concise, limited program to help children of divorce. So when you talk about five to twelve year olds. Uh, a company named Church Initiative has a program called Divorce Care for Kids. It's at dc4k.org. And, and that's a 13-week program. Um, I run a program here locally. It was uh, developed by a great woman who's worked with kids for, for 25 or 30 years in a daycare and just saw you know kid after kid come through her daycare that was dealing with the effects of divorce. Linda Ranson Jacobs is her name. Um, and she, so she wrote this program, and Church Initiative sells it, and you can buy the program. And it's like buying... Uh, prepackaged curriculum. So basically, you, you know, you take it. Uh, I would suggest you follow it as best you can, but you also adapt it for your circumstances. Sure. So it really gives you the tools to, you know, you find some leaders and you can jump in, and it's something you can do right away. So when people tell me our church doesn't do anything, what can we do? I say, go out, 
find the funds, maybe partner with some other parents if you don't have the funds in your, or partner with some other churches, excuse me, if you don't have the funds in your budget, buy one of those kits and put, put together a DC4K class for your community. And by the way, on Kidology, we've partnered um, with uh, DC4K, and we've just launched uh, this year a Divorce Ministry Zone. I know you're also contributing to that. And, yep. um, and so uh, she's actually uh, submitting articles and resources, and I'll link that in the, in the show notes as well. Um, and then she's got a blog. It's blog.dc4k.org. Um, and, and I believe you've got a blog on this topic as well, don't you? Yeah, in fact, Linda writes every Friday for our blog. Okay. Um, it's it's divorce ministry the number four kids dot com. Divorce right. ministry four kids dot com. And that and that URL is is in the PDF that I'm going to provide as well. So um so there's program and then the second that, P is practices. Practices just means things you can do. You don't really need a budget for them, but there are things you can do in your normal ministry, um, whether that's teaching on Sunday morning or how you plan your VBS or what you do with your midweek program, if that's a WANA or whatever it might be, to accommodate these kids. So, for example, you know, the typical um, parenting arrangement for children of divorce is they spend every other weekend with one set of parents. So unless both parents are coming to your church, which is highly unlikely, um, you're only going to have that kid once every couple of weeks at best. And yeah. with things like soccer and football and everything else, you might get them once a month, which means if, if you're teaching in such a way that they need to be there every week, or if you're doing some things they used to do in churches, which I just strongly recommend you don't, like attendance-based rewards and that sort of thing, yeah, um, you're creating a real problem for those kids. And and if there are still churches out there doing attendance-based rewards, and there, you know, there might be, I fortunately I don't come across a whole lot of them anymore. But if you are, what you're doing to that child is penalizing them for something they have absolutely no control over. So you're taking a child who sort of feels alone and left out and different, and you're reinforcing that for them. In terms of your teaching, what it means is when you're planning lessons, you need to make sure that you're including at least some sort of uh, recap of what you've covered before. Yeah, yeah I know. I've had several people tell me, you know, like Disciple Town, the curriculum I've been writing the last few years for Disciple Land, they're basically four week kids church units. I've had several people tell me that they stretch those over two weeks each lesson because A, there's a lot of content in there, there's my little plug, but B, that um, they realize they have a lot of kids that are every other week. And so they take eight weeks to teach those four lessons. So it's helpful that there's enough material in there to do that. They want to make sure that that they can cover those four weeks of content in a in a scope that. Uh, and of course, you know, with kids, repetitions, everything. So it doesn't hurt your regular attenders to um, take a little longer to teach material. But you teach it in different ways on different weeks. Um, but then for those kids that are every other week, it really it really does make a a big difference. So so that that's very helpful. And, yeah. And I think, too, in our language, um, you know, one thing I know I've tried really hard to do is we used to always just say, be sure to ask your mom and dad. And I don't really like the word guardian very much because guardian sounds so impersonal, like like they're a, a, a warden in a prison, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I, I've often said, you know, ask your mom or dad or whoever the big person that loves you and looks after you. You know, I, I've tried, you know, and I don't have a set thing that I try to say, but I try to add something after your mom or dad you know there's just kids that are in unique situations and if you just say mom and dad to emphasize to them that, that they don't necessarily have a mom and dad so mom or dad even just yeah. that subtle change of the or instead of and because even a kid with a mom and a dad can still ask mom or dad 
Um, right. So they don't even notice that change. But then the, yeah. the, the but the child that's living with an aunt or living with an uncle or living with a foster parent or whatever, if you just add on or, or whoever whoever I've said whoever the tall person is or whoever the grown up is that loves you and takes care of you, I think is that fit under the practices or perceptions as, as just uh, being aware of how they're hearing the things you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I suggest you know, the, ask whoever brought you. Um, oh, but I got to tell way. you, that's a good I talk about these things. It's, it's easy for me to talk about these practices, and 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 they sound easy to do. But I got to tell you, it's tough. And it I is. tell people, I do this. I teach these kids um, in a divorce care for kids program every week. I've got the websites. I'm writing articles all the time, and I'll still sit there on a, in a small group on Sunday morning every once in a while and catch myself saying, you know, what would your mom or dad think of that? And, uh, you know, I guess at least I catch myself, but it is a process. You really have to train yourself not to do it Yeah, and to use, and, and not just in your language, but you look at the forms in your church, you know, what, what impression are the forms in your church giving? Yeah. You know, do, do they even have the capability to capture information like a stepmom or a stepdad or, or somebody else in the family other than as an emergency contact? How do you really get to know the families that those kids are living in if the information you're collecting is insufficient? Yeah, I was commenting to my wife the other day. We had to fill something out, and it asked, you know, for the Luke's dad's first name, Luke's dad's last name, Luke's mom's first name, Luke's mom's last name. And I said, what a day and age that, you know, they don't assume Luke's parents' last names are the same as, as his last name, but they don't assume that anymore, and we can't assume that anymore. So uh, what, what about perceptions? Or if I perceptions, is the, perceptions is the hardest. That's why I, you know, I programs then practices then perceptions because hopefully your programs and your practices can help to drive your perceptions. But we tend to look at divorce from the perception of the adults, and we tend to to talk about it in terms of the adults. And I think we don't spend enough time trying to think about what that's like for the child. You know, what it's like to have to pack up all your belongings every five days and move to a different house. You know, suppose you have a child who's acting up in, on Sunday morning. It's, it's easy to just assume that that's a difficult child. If you don't understand their family situation, you're not really going to get at the root cause of what's causing that problem. You might be missing out on an opportunity to really present the gospel to them and give them some hope because you don't understand the situation that they're in. And so I think we really need to start thinking about divorce and other sorts of family disruptions from the standpoint of the child. And then I think we also need to start thinking about how we balance the concepts of grace and justice and how we deal with people. You know, there are churches where there are still churches where divorce is the cardinal sin and all other sin is sort of on a different level than divorce. And, and, and you know, I, I'm of the opinion and, and I think I can support my opinion fairly easily with the Bible that divorce is a sin. Um, that's not where I'm going to start with an eight-year-old whose parents are getting a divorce. You know, I think it's important that, that in in your teaching of the Bible that they understand all that. You know, we teach in DC 4K that God hates divorce, and we teach that he hates it because he knows that it hurts people. And I think that's biblical. And so I think it's important that we deal with our perceptions of, of divorce and other sins and how those impact the children that live in those situations. And at the same time, you know, the, the child did not sin, and God still loves their parents and uh, but they they still love their parents yeah and, and, and yeah. if they feel like 
Yeah, I, not not to get into political issues, but this is a big issue that the church is facing with the issue of um, homosexuality, and children's ministers are going to start to face it more and more as they get kids in their ministries from these families, um, and they have to deal with it because that kid, if they feel like you're all you're doing is judging their parents and not loving them. They're not going to listen to anything else you say, and you shut the door on the opportunity to witness to them. And so I think it really is a matter of finding a way to balance grace and justice is how I'd describe it. And I think we're having trouble with that at the adult level, and I think that that's going to create problems in terms of ministering to kids. All right. Kids hear the gossip that goes on. They hear that stuff. And yeah. I think, you know, we think if we're whispering and the kids aren't going to find out, the kids will know. And then you've created for them a perception where church is not a safe place of healing, but a place of judgment that they should just avoid. And, and that is a huge issue. Amen. Well, let's let's bring it back to, you know, the topic in the news. And let's ask the question, you know, how do we reach, you know, we, we've talked about kids in the church, that the half of the kids that are part of a, a broken home or a non-traditional home that are in the church. But so many uh, kids are struggling and wrestling and they they don't have someone who knows Christ and knows the word that aren't communicating that God loves them, made them with a unique purpose. How are we reaching them? You know, is are there churches that are targeting kids of divorce, you know, promoting in the community, hey, we've got support groups for kids of divorce. Um, is there a way to, to do that? Is that unrealistic? You know, it's the classic, could someone have reached this young man and uh, helped him deal with whatever pain and agony and things he was struggling with so he, his anger would not have had to have been unleashed in the way that it was. Yeah, and I think I think the programs I talked about earlier have some potential for that. So if you talk if you talk about a DC4K group, um, you go in and you advertise that at the schools that, that that's going on. And you know, the one I lead here locally is done at the YMCA, so that you know you're not dropping your kids off at a church. So for unchurched parents, um, they might be more willing to drop them off there. But that is a limited potential. I think what we really need to do is have. It requires the people that go to the church, parents who go to the church. We talk all the time about equipping parents to disciple their own children. And I think we also need to be talking to them about witnessing to and discipling their kids' friends. Because I think that's where you make the connection as the church. You know, your kids have friends out there. Um, and you and I were talking briefly before we started here. I was, I was going through some modern family types with my 12-year-old uh, for a presentation I was doing there at Engage. And we had, you know, we had a list of eight or 10 or 12 of them. And, and I was just going through getting his opinion on them. And, and you know, he likes to help me with my ministry. And so he was talking about them. And we got to the end, and he paused for a couple of minutes. And he went, you know, I know at least one kid that fits into every single one of those categories. And it was you know, divorced parents, cohabiting parents. Uh, grandparent-led families, uh, gay parent-led families. Um, I'm trying to think some single mother families, single father families. And, you know, we're in a rural school district in Ohio, um, not a whole lot of kids. And here he's able in a couple minutes to come up with at least one or two or three examples of a kid every time. They're his friends, you know, and so they can come over to the house. But if I'm not um, ready to witness or disciple them, then we've really lost an opportunity because those kids are never going to step foot in the church. And then the other thing is he, you know, my son and the kids from our church, they need to be in a position to be the light of Jesus to these kids. And I think that's got to be more than just, hey, you ought to come to my church on Sunday because 
that might not likely not going to happen. Might you know? It's great that they invite kids to church, but I think we also need to start equipping our kids to be out there in the mission field of their schools and their soccer teams and whatever else they're doing, and be in a position where they can help these kids. Well, you think about the fact there. I believe it was twenty two hundred students at Aurora High School, and you know I have no way of knowing how many of those twenty two hundred would be believers, and you just wonder. You know, if this kid was as awkward or they've used words in the paper like weird or whatever, um, and I know he was transferred to that school because he had problems getting picked on at his previous school, you know, if if a Christian kid could have reached out to him and, you know, if, if, sir, um, if, if sir, a mystery, but, um, but you wonder if, uh, if he could have been befriended by someone who knew Christ. But that's what, um, that's what we've got to train our kids to do is to, is to um, see those kids that potentially can be picked on if they're nerdy, if they're unpopular, if they're awkward, to do what Jesus did, become a friend of sinners, become a friend of the outcasts, and uh, draw them in. And it can, it can literally, literally save lives because they're showing the love of Christ. And I don't think that has to be just high schoolers. You know, I think we can teach our kids to reach kids too. Yeah, no doubt. And if, you know, I would say a word to fathers as well, because I think that um, so many of these kids lose their fathers. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but the percentage of non-custodial fathers who don't see their kids after one, two, and five years, it would astound you. And so as fathers, we, I think, play a critical role because the friends our kids are bringing over might not have that male role model. You know, they might not know what a Christian guy looks like. And in all likelihood, whether they realize it or not, there's that's created a bit of a void in their life, and they're looking to fill that. And they can fill that with something positive, and that can you can be the role model of something positive, or they can fill that with something negative. Um, and so I think, as fathers, that we play a, a particularly important role when it comes to shining the light of Jesus in, into the lives of, of our kids' friends. You know, there's a the church where my son's school is, they have a ministry called, uh, it's a long name, it's like Boys to Men to Christ or something like that. But that's what it is. It is a ministry to boys who don't have a father figure, and they recruit just men of the church. I've gone to a few of their meetings to, to do gospel magic and to you know teach, and um, but they mostly, um, you know, I was a rare exception. Normally it's just shooting basketballs and... Uh, you know, going to play baseball and um, just to socialize together, and then they have some teaching time. And I don't know if that's a national ministry or just something that uh, the Southeast Christian Church does in in Parker, but it, it's a wonderful ministry, and you know that it's having an incredible impact on these young men who otherwise would have that void that that you were describing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's definitely a need. I think it's one that, uh, as you've said, is is overlooked. Maybe not realized, or maybe people are in denial. It's great to hear about DC4K.org. I would encourage people to check out that website. Um, and then your your blog is uh, simply Divorce Ministry 4, that's the number 4, kids, and that's uh, .com. And folks can check those out. I'll link the uh, Divorce Ministry uh, Zone on Kidology, where you and Linda are both contributing. I really appreciate your uh, willingness to do that. Yeah, if I could, uh, the, one of the four parts of our four-part mission at Divorce Ministry for Kids was to serve children of divorce directly. Um, until this until this past year, that was leading groups like DC4K. 
locally. Uh, this past year, we decided to do more, so we started IamAChildOfDivorce.com, okay. which is which is a website with helpful articles. It's geared towards children of all ages, children, teens, even young adults whose parents have been divorced. Um, it really is a site where, you know, if your church has nothing else or if you don't feel like you're in a position to, to help these kids, that you can send them, that they can get answers to their questions. We have support groups and that type of things. So if you have a child that you're trying to help, you just don't know what to do, do some research, figure out what you can do. Um, but then there, there are also that resources available where you can send them um, where our goal is to help them. It really is designed for kids who aren't going to walk through the church, you know, but might be on their computer or their smartphone looking for some information. And, and so we're trying to be there to help them that way as well. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, I'll be sure to list that in the, in the show notes as well. Wayne, thank you so much for um, responding to the Lord's uh, slap up the side of the head, as you said. <laughs> Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. I appreciate all you do for uh, God's kids. I was going to say uh, nudges, but uh, you're right. Sometimes I've, I've been struck by lightning. So uh, um, if you if you want to uh, just get slapped upside the head, you know, God had to strike me with lightning uh, to get my attention. But um, I'll take the slap. Yeah, you'll take you'll take the slap. But keep on doing what you're doing. I appreciate your time. If folks want to get a hold of you, they can tweet you at uh, Stocks Ohio. And of course, through the website as well. And then we'll have a forum discussion uh, linked at the bottom of the show notes, as we do with every podcast. And uh, Wayne's a member of Kidology. So uh, if you have any questions about the show or about his resources, feel free to drop in there and answer your question. And uh, perhaps we'll uh, get Wayne to grace the site and uh, answer your questions there. So thanks again, Wayne. Thank you. And once again, that was Wayne Stocks. And what a blessing to have somebody working so hard to gather resources and to get educated on such an important topic and then to 
share that information with those of us who are ministering to kids as well in the trenches so that we can do a better job. Be sure to go to Kidology and click on the show notes for this podcast. If you're listening to this while you're out driving, jogging, biking, climbing trees, type rope walking, whatever you're doing, so that you can get those resources and the URLs to the websites that were mentioned on the podcast. And as always, you can reach me at Kidman Talk on Twitter or Carl at KidmanTalk.com.